You have entered the 13, a place where real stories about music, touring, and the beyond are told. Music does something to us. We all experience it in our own way. It can affect our senses, transport us through time, and release emotions. On this podcast, we will talk with people about the power of music and the beyond. What does the beyond mean? Let's find out together. Turn on your metronomes because this time is about to be tracked. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The 13. I'm your host, Ryan 13. And today we have Steve Stein on the show. I recorded this episode back in September, and this guy is a fantastic human, first of all. Wonderful conversationalist. I love talking with this guy. He knows a lot about guitar. He knows a lot about gear, and and that's why I'm so excited for you guys to check this out. He's uh, It's phenomenal. This is going to be great. But I wanted to start by saying thank you to Corey Jackson for hooking me up. He He's hooked me up with Steve. He's hooked me up with Billy Sheehan. And I know how to say Billy Sheehan's name now, by the way. And like, I mean, we've, this guy, Corey is, is a fantastic person. And Corey, thank you so much for helping me out with this podcast and hooking me up with some amazing guests like Steve, this guy, uh, this guy gets it. And he's an amazing guitar player. Uh, one quick thing. I sat down and watched one of his YouTube videos and it was like, want to play licks like a, 80s guitar solo or something or something it said something like that and so i sat down i was like all right and in like three or four seconds i picked up the guitar and i was like okay i'm gonna do that holy cow and i was playing it he's an amazing guitar teacher he's i don't know he just comes through i don't know it's great steve's a great guy check this interview out i'm gonna stop talking watch this what is going on, everybody? This is The 13. I'm your host, Ryan 13, and today we are joined by Steve Stein. He's the guitar teacher I never knew I needed and uh, the student he didn't know he had. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for Thank coming you. on. I really appreciate it, man. I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. Dude, that's awesome. You're, everything you've got going on back there is awesome. So is that like your garage or is this like a, a workplace? or? Yeah, this is the studio that I work in. So I have oh, a, a couple of different... Um, like you might not be able to see it very well, but I have my cameras set up over there. Oh, yeah. So when I do my, uh, you know, guitar courses and stuff like that, I face that direction and then I film that way. And then okay. this is just like a pod for me to be able to utilize for visuals. And I have a keyboard and mouse set up over here too. But when I do stuff like this, I do it right, right facing this computer. And, oh, cool. uh, and then that way, you know, I can be on the internet at the same time or right now I've got studio one up so I can control all that stuff right here. So. Oh, perfect. What, uh, yeah. well, we'll get into gear in a minute, but, perfect. uh, so Corey Jackson, just, I, I had him on the podcast and we were talking and we were, I had just listened to one of his cycle of ruin songs. It was sure. Elder decay. And I was like, okay, did you play that one solo? And he was like, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Like, who's that guy? And he told sure. me about you. And then a few days later, he called me up and was like, Hey, Steve said he would come on. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't oh, even wow. ask. Holy cow. <laughs> so that's, I, I love Corey. He's a great friend. I know him through his um, soon to be wife, Lily. She, um, she knew me because I was Doug Penick's bass tech and King's X or whatever for a few years. And we've just, you know, we're all just a big family. Yeah. That's awesome. Corey's a great other. guy. Super yeah. great guy. Super nice guy. And he had nothing but nice things to say about you too. Well, that's great. Yeah. He's a, he's a super nice, you know, that's, that's the cool thing is, is that with the internet and the industry, how many amazing people you can, you can meet, you know, right. I don't see the dark side of this stuff. I, I meet people like Corey all the time, which is really awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's becoming really cool. This is my first um, dip into podcasting. Actually you're on season two right now, but like, you know, see, I just, I'm just releasing stuff as willy nilly as possible, but it's, this is super fun and I'm meeting some great people. You sure. know, I'm totally 100% name dropping right now. I had <laughs> Billy Sheehan on the other day. Right. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, and Mike DeLeon from Phil and Somali illegals. I'm like, how is this happening? Right. It's cool. It's cool for me because I just want to talk gear. I want to talk music tour stories. If you got them, I also right. do this thing called the beyond. If anyone's got ghost stories or aliens or whatever you want to talk about, if that exists, some people don't have it. But it's just, it's a lot of fun, a cool, awesome conversation. 
right, you know, hopefully right till the end. But sure. now I now I do want to talk about gear. <laughs> so last night I watched your well, I watched what were we talking what were you talking about? It was I got it all written down here. It was the mixing and mastering stuff with Izo I can't even isotope. Oh, isotope. Yeah. And so that was super interesting to me. And I got because I'm using Reaper and I, I saw people in the comments were asking, well, what do you do with, with Reaper or whatever? I'm sure it's all kind of runs the same, right? Yeah. And I don't know. Now I'm interested in that because I haven't been very good at the mixing. I went to school for audio engineering for two years, got put on academic probation for missing, <laughs> for missing a test. And so I just went on tour. You know, okay. I was like, oh, okay, well, and I never went back to college and I never finished it. So sure. my, my skills are lacking there. And I think that's a super interesting, um, you know, kind of way to go about it. And it didn't look hard at all. Yeah. So, you know, th that's the truth. Like people like right now with the guitar zoom community, um, I do these live sessions at least once a month, but I do, I do a, a live session at the, at the last Monday of every month. And then a bunch of people that are members of Guitar Zoom will show up. So I might get, you know, two or 300 people in a live session. And what we've been doing for the last few months is working on home recording. Because oftentimes with guitar, with anybody, but certainly in my, in my field, guitar players, they're learning how to play guitar. They're learning scales and all this stuff. And they're learning how to play songs. But the outlet that they often don't have is either number one, playing with other people, or number two, finding a way of putting their creative ideas down in, uh, and recording. And yeah. so, you know, we've been, we've been learning how to utilize Studio One. That's what we've been using is, is Studio One. Um, I use Studio One. It doesn't matter what you use, but that's what I've I been like using. So notes, I've been, though. what's that? I said, I like taking notes though. Oh, sure. And so basically what I've been teaching them how to do is what is an audio interface and how does it connect to the computer? And then how do you, you know, plug in and get your channel set up or your track set up so you're getting recording? That is light years away from what is a multi-band compression, right? right. So the, the thing is, 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 is there a way of, of being able to teach people or show people that, you know, if you can get your guitar plugged in and you can get a fairly decent, you know, level set on your on your audio interface and you can do some recording maybe something like isotope just released um neutron 4 which is a mixing uh yeah. program and then they released ozone 10 which is a mastering program now they're not free and they're not necessarily cheap but if you know anything and you could certainly talk to corey about that you know when you go in and, and you record stuff and then you give it to someone to mix and then you give it to someone else to master you've already spent more than you'd spend on this software. Yeah, uh, we I recorded an album with Doug from King's X. Uh, the band was called Razor Thirteen. I played bass in that band, and we were in the studio for three years. And so I and we're and we're all still broke. So I know how yeah. it works. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So that was the point of the video was, hey, it, it is possible for you to record stuff and then let the software do the work for you. You know, that's not negating the possibility that maybe someday you're going to want to, not you, but a person's going yeah. to want to learn to mix or master or whatever. Um, I, I find it all very intriguing and it's definitely something that I spend a lot of time doing is studying and mixing a lot of different things and stuff like that. But it's just as time consuming as everything else in life. So for some people, they're not interested. For other people, maybe they're interested, but if they just made something or writ wrote something that they want to release or, or put out in the public on YouTube or something like that, maybe they don't want to wait two years before they learn how to mix and master to right. release it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. I was right before I went to bed, I was watching a bunch of your videos and I'm like, cause I'm preparing, trying to prepare for today. Sure. Cause I wasn't prepared for Billy Sheehan's video. I called him Billy Sheehan. <laughs> he, he told me about it, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, one of the things that just jumped into my mind is I'm looking at your guitar and I, um, that's not an Ibanez. It's is not. It? Nope. Okay. Cause this you, uh, most of the, okay. What, yeah. So what's up with that? Cause I well, hadn't seen you play. You know, any I, of those. I, I have an endorsement with Ibanez, but my endorsement yeah. with Ibanez is a pretty free endorsement. Just like I have with all the endorsements that I have, whether it's sure. EMG or, uh, whatever it is, you know, I'm at the time of this podcast, I'm 52 years old. So the days of needing free stuff for me is kind of over. Like if I was in my twenties, it would have been the most exciting thing ever. But being the age I am now, what I've done is I've connected to, um, 
companies that I've been playing my whole life. And so they see the value of me using their stuff. And I certainly see the value of using their stuff because I've yeah. always used their stuff. So I still play Ibanez stuff a lot, but I've grown to love this guitar neck. And it's a little bit wider. The Sir stuff is a little bit wider than the, the Ibanez stuff. And okay. I have very small hands, but for whatever reason, um, it's just really comfortable to play. And so the beauty of my connection with Ibanez and everybody else is they're okay with me playing other guitars. Awesome. Which is a, I remember talking to a buddy of mine, I'll, I'll keep him nameless, although I'm sure you know who he is, but he was telling me, you know, the, 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 the bummer of endorsements is sometimes when you get those, then you're locked in and you can't play other right. things, even if you wanted to. Yeah. And um, so he said, you know, you really got to weigh what kind of endorsements you're, you're interested in doing. And, and so I've always had a really great rapport with the companies that I work with and they're all cool with me doing whatever because people still know that I love and utilize Ibanez all the time, you know? Oh yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I always wanted, that was when I first saw Steve Vai play in one of those, I was like, what, bro, where'd the handle come from? You yeah, know, like right. what a cool design. Like that was right. so cool. And and EMGs, man. The first time I saw somebody using EMG, EMG eighty one and EMG eighty five, I think that's what they were. Sure. And I, I was in junior high, and I didn't understand because my guitar didn't have that. It had some old humbuckers in it, you know. Like, what right. is that? And how is your stuff sounding so good? It's crazy because you know, like I used to work at a music store for many years when I was younger, and people would come into the store and have you know whatever four hundred dollars to spend. So what do you do? Do you buy a cheap guitar and a cheap amp? Or do you buy a nicer guitar and a cheap amp or, an, you know, whatever. And the, the whole thing is, is, is for me, the amp in my life, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but the amp in my life has always been secondary. Okay. I need EMGs for the comfort zone of the playability. And that doesn't mean all my guitars have EMGs. I have, you know, for recording purposes and things, I have all kinds of different pickups and different, different guitars. But... I always call them stage ready, like a, a guitar that you would go out on stage with and you would play and be able to be you. The guitar has to have EMGs in it. That's just I the way it is. It. So primary step one is, is the EMGs. Secondary is the guitar that the EMGs go in. Well, it's always been Ibanez gems. I mean, I own a ton of Ibanez gems. The thing is for me is, is that I don't, it, it's, I mean, I love Steve Vai, don't get me wrong, but yeah. there's a billion other guitars out there that, that play really well. So that's what hap happens. And with this guitar, which uh, came in used at a local music store or local guitar store, and it is absolutely emphatically stage ready. And I use it for rehearsals and all kinds nice. of different things like that. So, you know, where I have like, oh, you know, this Charvel right here, yeah. which does not have EMGs. Right. And, uh, and I love it and I love recording with it, but it's not something I would probably take on stage. Sure. You know, what the, the, with this one, what did you say the name of this one was that you're holding? The company is called Sir S U H R. S U H R. I like it. I like the way it looks and is it, oh. is it neck through or is bolt in or it, it's a bolt on. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a bolt on and it, it, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly light but it's just really, really smooth to play. And, you know, as I get older, I kind of like having some guitars that are a bit more neutral in color too. Sure. Um, you know, I've got a couple of guitars coming from some manufacturers out there that will be released soon that oh, cool. I'll be making videos on too. Um, and they've sent me some neutral colors, which is really nice because I always enjoy being able to, you know, the, the, the great thing is, is that some of these companies that I work with will send me stuff. And then oftentimes you don't have to send it back simply because yeah. they know you're going to be using it in videos and stuff like that if if you take to the guitar you know if you don't if you don't wind right. up taking to it, it it's fine to send it back but it's nice to keep them if they if they play really nice you know yeah hell yeah and if it plays nice that's all that matters man oh, I, well, I picked sure. a, so <clears throat> excuse me when i joined razor 13 they were like you're gonna play bass and i was like i don't know i'm a guitar player i don't know how to play i'll play it like a guitar and that i know that's not how you play i mean some people do that <laughs> But and what was cool is I got to learn how to be a bass player. But sure. I had to bring some of the stuff with me. Like I had to I had to have EMGs in my bass. Sure. And I really wanted to have something that played really great. This is a Schecter. And not not all Schecters I've played have been fantastic. But for whatever not all Ibanezes I've played have been fantastic. For whatever reason, I sat down at a guitar center in Austin, Texas, and 
I just started noodling around on that thing and it felt great. It still feels great today. You know, I think playability is, I, I think you're 100% right when it's, I think the guitar comes first in my opinion, you know, and then your pickups and then, or maybe pickups and then guitar. Well, and, and, and it could, it could go. And you're right. Because if you find the right guitar, like obviously this did, guitar didn't come with EMGs. Right. And so the first thing I do is if it's, if it's stage ready, I chuck the pickups and throw EMGs in it, yeah, but it, yeah. it will always have EMGs. It might be a Sir, it might be an Ibanez, it might be a Paul Reed Smith. It, it could be different guitars, but if it's stage ready, it'll have these pickups. Absolutely. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's the other thing is, is, is for players out there, you know, if you walk into a guitar store and you take a guitar off the shelf and it feels amazing, don't go, okay, well, this is awesome. I'm going to run home and buy it from Sweetwater because you're going to get it from Sweetwater and the guitar you get in the mail exactly. may not feel at anything like that, even though it's the exact same model off the exact same assembly line, it may not feel like that. I, w I want to go to that website way too much. Was that not? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm on my Sweetwater all the time looking at stuff. <laughs> like, okay. Because I, I really, uh, I've, I've never, okay, I've never once played an ESP, not a real one. I, I mean, okay. I, I played the LTDs, which are from Korea, and I hear they're actually getting super good and well made from there. But I don't know. I've always seen my heroes play ESPs. I loved Metallica growing up, you know? So I was like, sure. oh, they play it. Look at James Hetfield. Cool. I want one of those. I thought <laughs> I liked the right. look of those. I thought that was really cool. But, you know, I, I don't know how it would play. And I sit there and look at them. I'm like, oh, it's only $7,000. <laughs> yeah. And when I say only is I don't have that kind of money. But, like, it would be so sick to buy one. But I've, if you've never played it, why would you spend that type of... Well, that's the thing is you could you could buy a five thousand dollar guitar and get it, and it's still not going to be you. It's still not going to feel the way you want it to feel. And that's the thing about guitars too is is that, you know, again, being the age I am, when I started playing, you know, I started playing originally on an acoustic where the strings were about that far away from the neck, and I quit playing because I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And you think about back then how guitars were. They either played great or they played absolutely horrendous, right? right? And there was something about the manufacturing back, you know, I don't know when it shifted, but somewhere between the 80s and the 90s, all of a sudden they, there was like great, everything played great. And then everything became assembly lined and, and it was kind of crapshoot depending, like you just said, you know, about other companies. Like sometimes you'd get a, a company like, you know, Fender, everything that's coming off that line doesn't necessarily show up at the guitar store and feel great, right? ready to go. And um, so you gotta be a little bit careful with that when you when you buy, you know, guitars nowadays. But, you know, like those Ibanez's that I have, those are from the 80s and the 90s for the most part, most of the ones that I own. And you, it doesn't matter how cold, you know, you, when you travel and your stuff is sitting in the back of a trailer in North Dakota, we're talking 40 below zero, everything yeah. is frozen solid, right? Yeah. So you get to a gig, you take everything out and you have to leave it for two hours for everything to thaw out. And those things, those necks would never move. It doesn't matter if we have 70% humidity. It doesn't matter if it's 40 below zero, the necks wow. on those gems that I own are just as stable as anything could ever be. They're amazing. Okay, so yeah, when my my very first tour as a as a bass tech or whatever for Doug, we get we were like in Wisconsin or something. We're slipping on the ice, unloading the trailer, pulling everything out, and this guy James, um, who was the stage manager at the time, super great guy, God rest his soul. He was like, okay, so you're gonna like you're gonna have to check Doug's stuff over and over and over again the night i'm like why he goes that door keeps opening and closing and the stage is changing temperature yes and i did and on his yamahas at the time which what i think it was yeah yamaha and hammer or however you want to say that hammer hammer uh all that stuff that 12 string just went right out of tune oh you know? for sure it was so awful like trying to two yeah. two seconds before the song goes i'm sorry and he'd get up there and look at me all funny and i'm the I tried. You yeah, know. I wasn't See, very that's, professional. That again is a stage ready thing, yeah. you know, and you could get a guitar that that feels great and it looks great and whatever. And you start playing and it plays great. And then you try and like with a whammy bar, you start using it and it goes out of tune. Yeah. Like this oh, thing yeah. is locked. And so this yeah. is why I play it all the time, because it, if it holds those few parameters, you know, I mean, there's things I like with, you know, having 24 frets and humbuckers and blah, 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 which most guitars do. But if it can if it can stand that test 
because like you just said, living here in where I live in North Dakota, you're dealing with, you know, 110 degrees in the summer with 70% humidity. And then you're literally dealing with 40 below zero where you go outside for longer than 10 minutes, you'll die in the middle of January. I went, I went, where, how far are you from Williston? Oh gosh, I'm quite a ways from Williston. Okay. Um, Williston is further west. Further west. Okay. Yeah. I, I have a, a company I work for has stuff out there and I've been out there and North Dakota is the first place I've seen an entire train. So like here in <laughs> Texas, you see pieces of the train as it goes by because sure. everything's flat. I was, oh, up sure. on a, I was up on a hill in Williston and I looked down, you know, miles and miles down this hill and there's the entire train going by. That was sure. super cool. North Dakota is pretty, man. There's yeah. North, but yeah, I came in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is, is North Dakota obviously is very flat until you get out West. When you start getting okay. closer to Montana, then of course, everything starts changing. We it, in Fargo, I'm literally five miles from the Minnesota border. So oh, okay. like I play in a band in Minneapolis and I'm four hours away. So my rehearsals, I like I'm going this weekend, I, I will drive to actually Hudson, Wisconsin, which is about four hours and 20 minutes from where I live. Okay. So I'll drive out there Saturday morning, have rehearsal, and then drive all the way back home after is, rehearsal. Uh, is this who you were talking about on Facebook earlier? Who you're yeah. going to rehearsal with? Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw, I'm following. We're, I'm following you now. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it's awesome. And, you know, so that's actually a Judas Priest. I wouldn't call it a tribute band because it's not like we dress up like Judas Priest or anything, right. but we play Judas Priest tunes. So it takes me right back to being in my teens and, and 20s okay. playing awesome. those tunes. Yeah. So you you stick you're sticking with the Rob stuff. You're not not dipping into the the Ripper stuff. Well, no, we're not dipping into the Ripper stuff. But just an interesting side note: my uh, a good friend of mine, Steve Grimmett from Grim Reaper, just unfortunately. I, yeah, I know. Sorry about that. Yeah, man. and uh, so what we're doing is we're putting together a tribute song for Steve's family, and Ripper is actually singing on it. So oh, cool. Yeah. So um, Nick is. Nick Bocott's playing guitar on it. And then Steve's uh, kids, he has he has two children, a, a son and a daughter, who are amazing singers in their own right. So they're going to be singing on it as well. So uh, I'm excited for people to hear that when we get done. And, yeah, that's going to be awesome. You know, hopefully it'll prove good legacy for for Steve and certainly for his for his family. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I heard about that the other day. Uh, well, I guess it's, God, I guess it's been, a, has it been a month already? It has been a month since he wow. passed away. Um, yeah, that was super sad. And then Corey told me that you guys were good friends and everything. So yeah, yeah, he was the that. best man at my wedding, and I was the best man at his wedding. And he was Aww. he's god godfather of my my youngest. And yeah, yeah, I mean, just just a, a beautiful guy. It's 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 really sad, but you know, unfortunately, this is what happens when you get yeah. old, right? Uh, it happens when you're young too. My first oh, band, my first band, Danny. Uh, the guitar player Danny Soto, he was 18, got leukemia, passed on. He was, yeah, he had just figured it out, dude. He had just like, we're all playing guitar, we're all like sloppy teenagers, you know, but we're sure. figuring it out. But the, he hit that spurt. I think I saw you talking about the tapes in the 80s that everybody used to get. He got his hands on these things. Sure. And we're watch. I'd go over to his house and watch these VHS things. I was like, do you understand what he's doing? He goes, yeah, I do. And yeah. he started getting it. And I, when I was watching you, you were doing a solo thing. I don't know how long ago this was, but you were just talking about how the hammer on and you would go into these certain notes and you would do the hammer on and a pull off and, and almost like it was a sweep. And I was like, Oh, 20 years later, it I just now got it. And by the way, you're an amazing teacher uh, online because well, I learned something in two seconds, just going, <laughs> why never, why did I never think about it that way? Sure. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's, and, and it was those, those videos that started the whole thing. It wasn't, it wasn't just the technical aspect for me, although I always love that, that side of things. It was listening to them talk and yeah. figuring things out. And, and I just found at a very early age that I had a knack for being able to break things down and teach. And so in my hometown, you know, I was always at max capacity with students and then, you know, went on to teach at college and I was a Montessori yeah. instructor. If you know what Montessori education is, I was a Montessori teacher for 14 years and, and just always teaching and then, you know, playing in bands on the weekends and things like that. And, and then just, decided to move to this online thing about 10 years ago and give it a try. Everything was still fresh, you know, 
Yeah. It was longer than 10 years ago. When I first started making my first YouTube videos, it was probably 15 years ago. Wow. And okay. YouTube was a new thing, you know? Yeah. You still had and, to let it like uh, load up for a little while. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was, it was all, it was such a weird thing. And, and I just, I just was out of time. I, I had no time. You know, I had a family. I had one, one daughter at the time and, uh, and my wife, and I was never home. You know, I was working 70, 80 hours a week playing in bands all the time. And, it was like, how do I get out of this? I love everything that I'm doing, but I have sure. no life. Right. And so that's where I went, well, what if I was online and I was teaching 50 students in an hour versus 50 students over the course of two days? Yeah. That's where the, the spark started and then just kind of took off from there. But I'm sorry to hear about your friend, by the way. I, and that's the thing is, is you take every day for, for you, you never take a day for granted. You always need to be thankful for every day you get up. And believe me, I am thankful every day I'm still breathing. Yep. My dad always said that, you know, his, his granddad always used to say any day I get up is a good day, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's true. It yeah. True. You know, people we've, we lose half the, half that band's gone now. Like life just happened between 18 and 40. Sure. You know, it's, it is, you know, it's part of it. It's sad, but it's, it is part of it. I got to look at my list. Hold on. I'm sure. getting blind. I just got 40 eyes. I don't know if you ever got them, but like oh, I turned dude, turned after 40. you turn 50, you'll hit the next stage, which is, <laughs> which is worse. <laughs> I turned 40 and I went and bought some cheaters. Like, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, there yeah. we go. At 50, uh, you're going to start buying those things for your back. So you can actually stand up straight. <laughs> uh, Hughes and Kettner. I, so I was watching you. I should at, take my glasses off and talk about that. But those, so the Hughes and Kettner amps, uh, the, so it, I, I need to know more about it. Cause I watched one video with you talking about it. I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of other people have it mostly in studios, but it can be an, can you use that on stage as well? Oh, for or? sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, Hughes and Kettner had the, the, the big amp that he, he, first of all, Hughes and Kettner is a German company and, uh, the triamp, which is their, their big amp. And it literally is a big, heavy friggin' amp, but it is a beast of an amp. Okay. It's just so God dang loud, but it is so versatile. And so, you know, that was something that growing up, certainly growing up in, in the nineties and into the two thousand, that was always an amp that I was really interested in owning. Unfortunately, as I've gotten older, I've downsized everything. I don't, yeah, I don't want to carry all that stuff onto stage. I'd rather right. have smaller stuff nowadays, but you know, so I, I reached out, uh, Michael Berger is his name. He's actually the, the base tech for Gene Simmons from Kiss. Oh, okay. So Michael and I got to talking and Mike's like, yeah, you know, we would love to have you on the team. Cause he was doing uh, artist relations for Hughes and Kettner at the time. So they sent me the Grandmeister 40, which is such a beautiful amp. It's, it's just a small light amp and it sounds, it sounds incredible. Nice. Yeah, and so I I use the the which I still use the Grandmaster Forty for for different things. It depends on the gig that I'm doing, sure. um, what amp that I'm using. And again, I've never been a big because of the way I grew up. You know, I grew up in in a trailer court, and never really had any money, and it, so it wasn't like I had all this gear. I used a Line Six Bogner Hybrid, two twelve, for yeah. years, and that's what I used. And I had, you know, I used my um, the my first student loan check I used to buy my first Ibanez jam. Nice. And those two things serviced me for 15 years of my life. I used just those two things. Um, yeah. You know, I had some cheaper guitars and things like that, but those are the only things I would ever use. And, um, and so, you know, making the move then to having a couple of different amps, certainly having that Grandmeister was a really nice one. And now I've got um, the Black Spirit, which is sitting over on that side. You probably can't see it behind me, but uh, so the Black Spirit is a digital amp. And that is a super cool amp too, but I still very much prefer the 40. So if you ever get your hands on one, they're, they're really cool amps. There's some, there's some amps that I've always wanted my whole life and stuff. Some of them are modelers. And so, you know, especially now the newer ones, like, I mean, I know I keep talking about Doug, but he's one of my best friends. He was in my, you know, he wasn't my best man, but he was in my wedding. So sure. I talk to him all the time and he's got the, uh Oh, I'm blanking. I can see it. It's the, well, he's got Pinnick. the Sans amp. Yeah, and he's got, but he's got the Doug Pennick. Oh my gosh! Everybody's all the all the bass players are using these things now. He's got his own little pedal, and he's got his little what is it called? Tech Twenty One, Jim. Oh, Tech Christmas. Twenty One, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So he's got the Doug Pennick Tech Twenty One, 
head and and a pedal too and it they recreated his sound from you know gretchen and stuff and sure and it's fantastic but i wish they would have done it sooner because when i was his roadie i had to carry around all that gear <laughs> up flights of stairs and well, like doesn't he still stuff. use i mean I, I i guess you know obviously with covid and everything i haven't seen king's x since probably 2019 yeah they, but- they started changing around then i he he's still using he's using some big um cabinets not, not yeah. big they're not that's one of doug's cabinets with the razor 13 sure logo on it i just spray painted on it i've had it for years hell hell that crepe blue voodoo back there's his too sure but the and and there's doug right there but anyway the uh the the point i'm getting at is it looks like his stuff has sat downsides like you were talking about quite a bit and i wish that i was roadieing for him now sure but you know life happens you get older and can't do yeah. all the same things you wanted to do i you know got to make money somewhere and right well and the technology is there like right now you know i you can't see it but off to this side i've got a kemper sitting here oh cool and i use a kemper for literally everything that i do because then i don't have to deal with like in my life the, the which i'm sure it's the same for a lot of people i want to walk into my studio and plug in and do what i want to do I don't want to spend three hours with a mic placement and which mic am I going to use and which cabinet am I going to, I, I don't have that kind of time. Just like we were talking about mixing and mastering. That's something for me that I would rather not do every day because then I'd go home every day and I wouldn't have created any content because I was so busy trying to pick a microphone and find a mic placement for it and the volume of whatever with a right. camper or any of this digital stuff. You know, I use a lot of plugins and things like that. Yeah, I can literally plug in and and I'm ready to go. And then I've yeah. still got amps for, you know, live and things. And it's not yeah. that I haven't used Kempers on stage because I have, okay. but I'm still partial, especially with the metal bands I play in, I'm partial to having a tube amp that you can turn up and get really loud and still experience that joy as a, as a musician, not necessarily your sound guy or, you know, yeah, anything like that, right. you know, but as, as a musician playing on stage to have that volume still feels really good in some situations. Oh, absolutely. I think playing loud is, I mean, if it's too loud, you're too old. Uh, you know, I like, I have always lived by that, but like, so as far as amps go, I think I heard you in a video the other day and it might've been from 2019 pre pre plague, but like the, I think you mentioned Marshall's for a second. And have you ever played the Marshall 6,100 anniversary series? It was purple. No, if, if you just, Marshall 6100 anniversary series. If you ever come across one and it's just a buddies or whatever, play it. Ty Tabor has one and it was in Doug's garage one day and I was like noodling around on it. I was like, this thing's fantastic. Sure. It's like, Doug, I'll, can I buy this from you? He goes, no, that's Ty's. Yeah. Well, and I just asked thing- Ty if he would sell it too and he won't. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is, is, is with, you know, stuff like campers, you, I mean, that's the other thing that's really beautiful with that kind of stuff is if you're, one of those people that can't own 30 different amps and 30 yeah. different cabinets, or you're not directly connected to a, a local studio that owns all that kind of stuff. You know, with a Kemper, you can get this amp or this amp or this amp through packs that you can buy. And um, and that's pretty amazing. You know, I've, I've turned a number of my friends who are definitely old school tube players yeah. And don't get me wrong, I, again, I love that, but we know where the technology is going. At some point, are there going to be tubes anymore? At some point, you know, so it's not whether one is better than another. It's just they, they both can coexist. But, I, you know, I have a friend who's, who's very much anti-digital stuff. Sure. And he owns a Kemper now because he can get, you know, Vox tones and old Fender tones and things like that from amps that he can't afford to get himself. So oh, it's yeah, a lot yeah. different. It's a lot different than when the line six, the line six pod came out and what, although that was cool, the little kidney bean thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, oh, it's like, sure. Oh, cool. The, I could, I can make this kind of set, but it sounded digital. Yep. Like, well, see, and then I had the Bogner that had the, the power amp section, but a line six, the digital emulation. Yeah. And then yeah. I had line six had a, had an amp called the Veta. And the Veta was the first amp that I'm familiar with where you could run two different amps at the same time. It was stereo. So you oh. could run, for instance, a JCM 800 and run that on the right side. And you could run, you know, a, a, a 
yeah. triple rectifier and run that on the left side and you could run it stereo. So I used to run on stereo and I'd run four, four twelves on stage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I still own the Veta. It doesn't work anymore. It broke down, but I still own it. It's in my, in my, uh, my attic somewhere. But again, you know, I've never been afraid of this digital technology just simply because again, I wasn't one of those guys that owned all of these different amps growing up. Sure. So, but, but I mean, I, I understand there, there's something wonderful about being able to play loud, but it, it all depends on how many shows you're doing and whether or not you're hauling all that gear yourself. You know, right. I wouldn't haul two 412s anymore. Yeah. You know, one, one I could tolerate, but even, even hauling two 412s anymore, if it was night after night, if it's a one-off show or something and you just want to go out and be a rock star, that's awesome. You know, sure. you know, man, my favorite part about, um, you know, just being working in the business is like, you have a local band that comes in that nobody, but like five or 10, 15 people, they, they're just building their, their audience, you know, sure. but they show up with like the biggest drum kit in the world <laughs> and, yeah. and you've got the back line up and you've got this much room up yes. front. I'm like, dude, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like, don't, just bring in like three of those. <laughs> well, and that's okay. So this is, and I'm not, I'm not dogging anybody. Right. I just found yeah, it really yeah. funny, but I, you know, I play in, I play in church uh, as well. Awesome. Um, and I used to play in church all the time. Well, I used to play at a really, really big church and we would have rehearsals on whatever Wednesday nights or Thursday nights or whatever it was. And this new bass player comes in and he has a pedal board. You can't see it, but it's the size of my coffee table. Like okay. it is the big, <laughs> and it's rehearsal. It's like a Wednesday night rehearsal, just trying yeah. to go through, you know, five church songs, which don't right. really require all that much. And he's and he's plugging all this stuff in and he set this thing up. And it was the same thing of like, I'm not sure you you really need that, certainly for church, let alone right. rehearsal. Uh, but you know, 45 yeah, minutes like later, pedals, <laughs> the, e, the boss EQ pedal yeah. and the tuner pedal. Yep. And but you learn, I mean, you right. learn, you know, well, you're a guitar teacher. So I figured that this would be a good time to give a shout out to my guitar teachers. Oh, there you Chad, go. Chad Iveson and Adam Flint. Thank you for helping me along the route. You guys rock and, uh, hope you're all doing well. Chad Iveson, I know has gone on to do a lot of classical work and plays around texas a lot and works i think he works for the universe i don't know i don't want to say who he works for but he's a great classical player and that's and awesome i think adam is still just giving guitar lessons and rocking out man sure. so, yeah guitar that's teachers awesome. are awesome you guys are wonderful and you have the teaching thing i know i said it earlier but i really mean it when i watch your videos i'm like because i got i got other friends that do the same thing uh and they you know may or may not come off a little over i don't know i don't want to I, overconfident or something but you like you're you're sitting here explaining why this is working sure and and that i mean that's how i learned that little lick the other day like that it was fantastic so right. i appreciate it and i'm appreciate so glad that. Corey Corey introduced <laughs> us and, and stuff. that's super cool well that's awesome okay so how is music and i kind of gathered this from watching some of your videos and just from us touching talking right now but how's music changed your life obviously it's what you're doing for oh my god well yeah i mean i you know i started playing when i was 13 i started teaching when i was 17 and you know i graduated early and went to college and then everything just kind of kind of took you know the weird thing is 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 when you don't go the traditional route and it's not like I didn't have regular jobs when I was a little kid you know I mean I worked at Pizza Hut and I worked at Holiday yeah. Inn and you know some things like that in the early days but you know at some point it it all became my life is is all of these different elements of of music and then you know there's the little voice in the back of your head that's going, well, you should probably get a job in case this falls through, you know, you'll right. never know whether this is good. And, and it's tough because, you know, having two kids of my own, if my oldest daughter came up to me and said, well, I'm going to quit my work and I'm going to start singing in a weekend band, I'd be terrified. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but you know, it's, I, I am, I'm blessed that I have been able to make a career out of this and move it to a new level so it's not just you know eight hours of lessons a day kind of thing you know and and i'm not saying that that that's bad i mean i loved it it's just you know after 25 years of teaching g and d chords yeah. you know i to be able to do what i do now 
and be able to reach people globally and um, and then have all these other opportunities that have happened as a result of that has just, honestly, it's just, it's a blessing and I, I couldn't be more thankful for sure. Hell yeah, Hell yeah man, I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm getting so blind. <laughs> Okay, I wanted to, I wanted to tell you about this, and I don't know why. Well, I actually, yeah, I do know why, because you you had mentioned uh, like re practice regimens or something in a, in a sure. previous video. And sure. when I was eighteen, yeah, I was eighteen. I lived in Austin, Texas, for a little bit, and I lived in a one bedroom apartment. And I was like, okay, my buddy Danny had just passed away. You know, the band Grimoire, which is what we called ourselves, we weren't weren't doing anything and I needed to join another band and I needed to be on a different level. I needed to get I needed to uh, level up. Per sure. Se. And so I wrote myself a magazine and I called it the rock star. And but it was a it was like I it had things I needed to do every morning when I woke up, what I needed to practice, what I needed to look into, who I needed to talk to about certain things. And I did that for months. And it was amazing. The the change in, you know, CGB <laughs> crappy sure. chords to like learning how learning my scales, yeah, learning yeah. my stuff. And then actually the understanding that came with why I had to run those scales and why I had to learn those the way I learned them and move right. and move forward. And it was fantastic. So anyone out there, write yourself your own magazine. You don't have to show it to anybody. <laughs> right. You're tells right. You what to do. And that's the thing is, is, is part of it is, is, for players is trying to figure out what what your goals are. Like, what are you trying to do? And does that balance with the amount of time that you're willing to put in to, to achieve those goals? You know, my big thing is, is I just want people to enjoy the journey. Like if you're learning how to play, I don't care if you're just playing open chords and singing, you know, whoever, you know, yeah, it, sure. it, you know, folk songs, it doesn't make any difference as long as that's what you're into, that's perfect. But you have to be, you have to be, reasonable with what your goals are and how much time that you're willing to spend. If you want to become, you know, really fast and shreddy on the guitar and you're spending 10 minutes a day, you have to be realistic that it's not going to happen. You know, right. um, that doesn't mean that there aren't, there isn't progress that can be made, but you just have to, you have to figure out how to be reasonable about it. And that's what I try and do is I spend a lot of time trying to inspire people to keep in the game, just keep playing, you know, the, the guitar, I always tell people the guitar will win, you know, we will be dead before we figure all of this out. That's the way it is. But that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it along the way. And my big thing is I tell people, if you really want to learn to play, you got to practice on the days that you eat. So well, that, there you go. That looks like that's every day. That's what it is. And so, yeah. and, and then learning what to practice. Like that's where the internet can be really confusing is, you know, there's 85 billion videos out there. What am I supposed to be working on if I want to learn how to do, you know, I think back when I was a kid and I was basically learning by ear because there really was, there was no, those materials didn't exist. You know, guitar magazines were just budding, like guitar for the practicing sure. musician and those things were just starting out when I, when I was learning how to play. And, um, you know, so you learn to play by ear and you didn't necessarily play everything right, but you developed a really good sense of hearing because that's how you learned how to play. Right. Um, but you know, I didn't understand anything about my fretboard and I didn't know anything about like m shredding. You know, yeah. I remember seeing Ingve Malmsteen in, uh, he came to Fargo and he was opening for quiet riot at the time. Oh, wow. And this is prime Ingve, right? right? So I'm, yeah. I'm right in the front. I've got my letterman's jacket in. I'm sure I'm look like a moron and I'm standing right in front and he comes running out and puts his leg out, you know, and and he's doing his thing and the first thing i noticed when i was watching him was the that and i was like i've never seen that before yeah. like scales to me were here yeah never thought about you know moving this way right so that was a revelation for me was seeing Ingve and going that's how that works that's how because they you know you st and so i'm i'm enjoying the show but i'm still being anal oh, retentive in my brain watching Absolutely. him play going Oh, okay. So that was a revelation. And then those videos came out, those RH videos that we were talking about before. And then all of a sudden seeing Chris and Pelletieri and all these guys and going, that's the trick here, right? Watching Paul Gilbert going, yes. his three note per string stuff going, that's how that works. Where I didn't, I didn't have anybody to show me and tell those things. So thank God those existed back then. Yeah, that's great stuff, man. I, I remember having to listen to 
I listened to a band called Arch Enemy for a long time. They're still oh, yeah. around, still yeah. around. And the Abbott sure. brothers at the time, because there was two brothers in the band for a while. I think one of them left. Yep. Uh, and I was listening to something they were doing. I still know how to play it. I don't couldn't tell you what song it's from, but it. I was like, how? And I I couldn't. I don't have a guitar. I only have the bass here, but I guess I could show you on that. But anyway, this thing changed. Started changing the way I thought about pretty much everything you know so that's cool that's that's what it's that's what you're doing is so cool what the guys have been doing and those videos are so cool and it's also sitting there and listen with your ears so intently like you think you're never gonna get it and then poof you know i remember uh, um whiplash by metallica i remember i could play songs but it always felt like i was mimicking them and and of course my my friends would be impressed or whatever but it always felt like I was playing alongside it, and I remember very vividly in my brain the the first time that I was playing along with Wish Whiplash, and I locked in like I was actually playing, like I locked into it, and I was like, "This is a great feeling." Like I'd never been able to do that before, and it seems silly now looking back on it, but I remember very much how that felt to not just be playing alongside, but really like, like I could play this with the band. If I had the opportunity, I could really do this. And that's, that's what it's always been. And so teaching people to enjoy playing and, you know, not only reading tab, but learning how to listen and learning how to lock in and learning how to be, um, you know, really analyze your playing and think about where your problem spots are, you know, and what finger combinations or whatever, when you play, if you get tired or you get sore or something seems lackluster, really being aware of that and developing those things. Dude, this is awesome. This has been so awesome. I, I think you and me could talk about gear and all kinds of stuff forever, <laughs> but I don't want to keep you forever. So I want to get to my ending stuff. Well, first sure. of all, let me look at my list and see if I missed anything. Oh, well, I did miss something. Who's your current new favorite guitar player? Like relatively new. Uh, Hard to pinpoint. Probably, probably Mateus Asado, if you know who oh, Mateus is. That name sounds familiar, but I'm writing it down. I've... I love his playing. I mean, Andy Timmons is one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah. Uh, not that Ty wouldn't be up there too, because Ty would definitely be up there. But Andy, Andy is is definitely up there, and Mateus is like, he's just next level. He's just an amazing. Mateus I love melodic player. Oh God, what was Mateus Asado, yeah. Asado. Yep. Awesome. See, that's more for my benefit because now I get to go check out new guys. Oh yeah, so, yeah. He's or girls awesome. in some in some points. Um, yeah. Don't, well, we never really talked tour stories too much. Do you have any tour stories that stick out to you that's funny? Nothing? Everything? No, I, I think the only one would be, uh, you know, I, I toured with, with Grim Reaper a yeah. few years ago when they were in the States. Um, so Steve and I got to hang out for three months doing that. And that's great. And uh, the, the, the first show I did with them, there were no rehearsals. So they got over here, their guitar player, Ian, who's a wonderful human being, had to go back to England. And so I took over for Ian. So I met them in Chicago that night I flew in and then the next day we had a show. So there was no, you know, I just learned the songs, but you know, playing on stage, you don't know how they're going to start it or if there's any adjustments and how they're going to end them and how they're going to go into the next song. We had nothing like that. And so (laughs) the first show, I'm going to use because Black's a Black Star was was um, sponsoring the the shows for, okay. for from the guitar perspective, and so I had this Black Star rig which Ian was using. So I'm like, well, I'll just I'll just use that, and however Ian's got it set, we don't have a lot of time. We'll just go. Well, he had that thing so friggin' loud, so I'm I'm kind of chunking out it, going, okay, I, I guess it'll be okay. So we go back, music starts, we come out, audience is going crazy hit the first chord for the first song and my ears immediately go away. I have, all I can hear is this. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm trying to get into the audience. I'm trying to move. The band's playing. I'm trying to follow things. I can't hear a damn thing. All I hear is this. The whole time I'm playing. So about two songs in, my hearing finally started coming back and I was fine, but I was panicked there for a little while. Wow. <laughs> it was so loud. I oh can God. imagine. I've been on stage where you can't hear anything before. Yeah. You just turn around and look at the drummer. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. No, my ears air. just immediately, just immediately went out. They were gone. Wow. So, yeah. That's funny. I, 
I have I have one, um, but it's the opposite. Like we're in L.A. My listeners have heard this story before, but I just want to share it with you because it's funny. We're in L.A. We're playing our very first show in L.A. It's my band, Razor 13. We're at the gig and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. We're in L.A. We're playing a show. What if Electra Records shows up and wants to sign us? You know, all the things you dream of when you're sure. And so we're out there. We're playing the the guy, the announcer says all this stuff like from Houston, Texas, Razor 13, the curtain drops and we go to hit a note. Me and the drum, me and the drummer hit our notes, but the guitar player's pedal had died and everything just went oh. <laughs> like, hold on one second can we redo that and, you know, <laughs> yeah. so do uh, uh do you have any crazy beyond stories doug Pennock's seen aliens um i've had friends see ghosts you got nothing i don't have anything sorry and i saw something in the sky once but it was probably a drone but yeah you know, well, that's the thing is like a kid i was sure i saw things but and I probably did, but they were, who knows what they were. Yeah. Who knows what they were? That's the thing. Like I was driving out in, out in West Texas and there's a lot of military bases out there. And sure. I saw this thing flying out in the middle of nowhere. And it was probably some 20 year old working for the military flying a drone, but I've seen too many movies for that. So I immediately was like, is that an alien? <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, man, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been fun. I've had a great time and a great conversation with you. And, you know, so thank you very much. I Absolutely. hope we can stay in touch. And, me, man. Yeah, maybe you can come on again in the future at some Absolutely. point. We can just talk more gear and talk more guitar because this is this is what this podcast is about, really. It's just about the music, playing it, talking gear, and just having a good time. And that's exactly what I feel like we had today. So thank you so much. I appreciate that, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, this has been Ryan 13 with Steve Stein. I hope you all have a great day, and we'll see you all on the next